Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. So glad to have you in church. Again, if you're a guest, welcome. So good to have you here. Uh, We started a series a couple weeks ago uh, called How to Be Rich. And uh, the idea of how to be rich is not about actually getting you to become rich or telling you how to become a wealthy person. Plenty of people will tell you that. Um, We actually figured out that we want to be rich, that being rich towards our community is actually being rich towards God. Uh, In the first week that we started this series, uh, we discovered uh, that even though we don't feel like it, we are rich. Yeah? And the only reason that we don't feel like that is because we compare ourselves to other rich people or to richer people. In the second week, we discovered that God has prospered us, but there's actually some purpose behind why God blesses us. And that everything that comes to us is not necessarily for us. And last week, we discovered there are traps for rich people. And uh, we want to make sure that we avoid those traps. So uh, those have been the last couple of weeks. And uh, I'm excited. We're we're continuing with our series today. And uh, we're just excited for what God has been doing through this. We've got some great feedback about uh, how this series has been going. So why don't I pray and then we'll get straight into it. Is that good? Is that good? You guys are awake this morning, right? Because I'm going to give you my best. I came here today to give you my best. I believe in faith you're going to give me your best. Amen? Amen. Do everyone remember that series I preached on Amen? Amen? Amen. You get it? So when you hear truth, what do you say? You guys are so good. Man, I love you. Let's pray. Father, we believe today is going to be a good day. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here. Lord, as always, we want to be teachable. So God, we pray that today as we sit under your word, that God, we learn something new. Or maybe God, that we're challenged today. But God, whatever happens, I pray that our hearts are open and we say, God, I want to learn how to do life better. Lord, we want to learn how to be rich, not so we can become rich, but so that we can be rich towards our community, be rich towards people, to be generous towards people. We believe God that by doing that, that we're actually being rich towards towards you. And so God, I pray that today as, as we sit and listen, that's, that's exactly what grips our hearts. And so Lord, we pray that you would just preside over our meeting today and that you would speak to us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So let me tell you, a, a, you know, this funny thing that happens to Sarah and I, and it's embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you because, you know, well, I trust you and you're not going to tell anyone, right? Okay, good. So one person's not going to tell anyone. So Sarah and I, oftentimes we go to um, weddings and, and oftentimes I'm, I'm performing the ceremony. You know, sometimes I get caught up in the idea that I'm actually doing the ceremony. So we have this habit of forgetting to bring a gift. And it's really embarrassing because then we've got it. We just, you know, we leave it at home sometimes. Actually, the truth is sometimes we just flat out forgot. We just didn't get anything, right? Uh, and then we get there and then we th- I, on the way I, I look and I say, did we bring the gift or did we get it? You know, and, and when we discover that we didn't, it's embarrassing. You know what I got to do? I got to call up that person when they get back from their honeymoon weeks later and say, we never gave you anything. And, and the worst thing is, is that when you arrive at the reception, you know, everyone's bringing their gifts. Yeah, but not us. So when you walk in and you're not holding anything, it's kind of embarrassing. 
And, and you know, so we just hide behind other people, you know, and, and, and try to scoot in. Um, but it, it's embarrassing. And it's really funny because you, you can imagine how embarrassing it would be to show up and, and everyone's got something and you don't. Actually, that is the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. Paul um, has written this letter to the Corinthians, and it's all about bringing a gift. And Paul is actually making the point that, um, hey guys, you've you, you got to make sure that you, you actually bring this gift that you said that you would. So our passage is out of uh, 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and Jay spoke from this passage this morning. So I'm going to read, and uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to do all of chapter 9. Now, if you don't like reading, that's fine. I'm going to do it, so you can sit back. Close your eyes, but don't go to sleep, okay? You ready? Here's what it says. They're taking up a collection for the Christians in Jerusalem. It says, now it is superfluous, which is a word that I commonly use in language today, superfluous. It would be superfluous for me to explain to you why I need to use that word. Superfluous is a word that means it's so obvious, I really shouldn't need to explain it. And you know better than anyone else that what I'm saying is true. That's what superfluous means. So it says, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. Paul says to the Corinthians, for I know your readiness. It's like he's buttering them up. I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. So these guys, they've been ready to give since last year. They must be so excited that the time is drawing near for them to give. They've been ready since last year. Paul's boasting about the Corinthians. He says, your zeal has stirred up most of them because they heard about what the Corinthians were prepared to do. So man, they're so excited to give. And it says it stirred them up. He says, but, but I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if the Macedonians or if some Macedonians come with me and they find that you're not ready to give that offering that you said, to give that gift, if they find that you're not ready, we would be so humiliated and to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the gift you have promised. By the way, you promised it, okay? So that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. An exaction is where you give a gift, but you expect something back, okay? So they're saying, we don't want it to be like that. So we show up and we say, hey, where's that gift? And you're like, well, what are you going to do for us? They said, no, 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 no. You promised us the gift and we're coming to collect it. So let's not have this be uncomfortable. And then Paul goes ahead and he says this. He says, look, guys, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For, as Jay said this morning, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency... In all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also doing something else. It's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession. Your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that is upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God because when God has given us this gift of salvation, He gave us His Son. So thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Let me go ahead and say this. Every gift comes from your heart. Every gift comes from here. And some people are not great at being gift givers. I have this aunt of mine. And God bless her, I love her. She's great. When I was a kid, for my birthday, she gave me a rock and glued eyeballs on it as a paperweight. What kid needs a paperweight? For all my work? What am I gonna pin down my what my pictures? My drawings, so that they don't blow away with the wind. And I got a paperweight. This same aunt, one year, gave me a peg. And she glued to the front of a peg a thing that she'd cut out. And I suppose that that's used to hold up my pictures. So I guess she's giving me some options. By the way, those were on separate years. Because you don't want to give all the best gifts in the one year. You've got, you know, nothing left. Can I go again? All right. All right. When I was 18, this aunt, she gave me... A WWF, so Worldwide Wrestling Federation, a WWF coloring in book. <laughs> For my 18th, did I mention that? Some of the pictures were colored in. I've mastered the art of thankfulness in the midst of oppression. How are you supposed to be thankful with these gifts? 
Do you know they didn't even give me the coloring in pencils? They didn't even give me the pencils. I just got the book. Do you know why I didn't get the pencils? Because two weeks later, they were given to my brother for his birthday. I'm not lying about anything that I've told you this morning. All of this is true. It's crazy, right? But true. Truth is stranger than fiction. Some people are not good at giving gifts. And I'm supposed to measure her heart in this. Does she love me? I don't think so. I'm sure she does. It's just that she's not good at expressing it. It was Judah's birthday a few weeks ago. We got him some great gifts. And we got him shoes and we got him some Lego and great gifts and lots of other stuff. I can't even remember. I'm looking forward to when we give it to him. Do you know why? Because if you're a parent, you'll understand this. In fact, even if you're a human being, you should understand this. Is when you give someone a gift that they're looking forward to receiving, you love seeing their face when they open it, don't you? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. I mean, personally, I do like getting gifts, but I actually really enjoy giving them. It's the anticipation for me. Because I know when I give it to them, I'm like, come on. And then when they open up and they're so thrilled to get the thing that you give them, for me, that's what makes it all worth it. I love to give gifts and love to buy gifts for my kids. I want to see their reaction. You know, giving becomes awesome and giving gifts becomes awesome when you've got some vision for where it's headed. So I'm excited to give my gifts to my kids. Do you know why? Because I'm really excited about him opening it. I've got vision for it. It's like, I know when he opens it, he's going to be excited. So that produces some excitement in me that he's going to be excited. When you've got vision for giving, it actually makes it exciting, particularly when you know what it's going to accomplish. Paul, in this passage we just read, he's excited because he has vision for where the money's going. See, the saints in Jerusalem, initially, they were really wealthy. And my understanding is they probably didn't manage their resources that well. So here, let's fast forward to the future. Now they're in need. Okay, so they're in need and they're going to the other churches to take up a collection to give to the saints in Jerusalem because now they're the ones that were poor. But remember, they started off really rich. You remember that? It says in the book of Acts that people were coming and they were laying everything at the apostles' feet and they had more than they needed and everyone's needs were supplied. Yeah, 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 but they didn't manage it well. Okay, so they didn't write that part in. And now, fast track the future, now they're in need. So Paul's like, I'm excited because I know know this, this, this giving is going to make a really big difference to those guys. It would be superfluous for me to explain it. Uh, in other words, yeah, it, it makes sense. You guys understand that. So he's saying that. And what does he say in this passage? He says that the Achaeans, that they were excited, they were planned. Man, these guys have been planning to give since last year. So they're really excited about it. They're getting ready to give. And the Macedonians, they are stirred up to give because they heard what the Corinthians were going to do. So it stirred them up. I'll tell you something I've learned about generosity. It catches. 
Have you ever heard anybody use this phrase? You may not have, but there's a spirit of generosity. You ever heard that? It's like it catches. You know, and, and, the, and the thing is, is that whenever revival breaks out, whenever people get really passionate about God, suddenly they care less about their stuff and generosity explodes. And in every place where revival breaks out, people pull their resources together because it becomes really clear what the goal is in life. We learned this last week and they get excited about it. So, so he, you know, that the, the generosity becomes something that can be caught. In other words, it can become a culture. You know what I've learned? I've learned that stinginess can become a culture too. So you can model the culture that you want to see to people to get what you want. I was reading the Bible this week. I know, I, I do that sometimes. And I was reading Psalm 78, and it says that one generation will declare to the next. Anyway, my point is this. What are we declaring to the next generation? People are watching us. What are we doing? What's the legacy? Everything that we do builds and creates culture. I want a culture of generosity. I'm not just talking about church. I mean, in my family, with my friends, you know, it's just there's something about a generous culture that I want. And, you know, these cultures, they can tend to catch. And so Paul's saying, you know, hey, these guys have been stirred up and they're ready to be generous. But I've discovered that when people get overexcited that they can run the risk sometimes of getting so stirred up that they overcommit. Sarah and I bought a car years ago and um, I negotiated this car for an hour after the car yard closed to get the price that I wanted. Got the price that I wanted for this car, great price, and then they take you into a special room and they sit you down with the aftermarket people. The aftermarket people try to sell you the milk out of their tea so that you will just spend more money and that's where they make it. They make a loss on the car, but they can make a lot of money off you if you buy the extras, right? They said, would you like our paint protection cover? I said, tell me about that. How does that work? They said, we have a, a, a paint. It's a clear coat that we put over the car. In other words, you won't be able to see if it's on there or not. <laughs> they didn't say that. There's a clear coat that we put on your car. And we put like an electric charge through the paint that does something with the molecules and it means that when, you know, something lands on your car like sap or, you know, the birds fly over and they drop something on your car. Sounds like sap. And when it lands on your car, that it should just clean straight off. Okay. And I thought, actually, that sounds like crap. I, I did because I thought, you're going to tell me that you put an electric charge through a clear coat of paint that's going to protect my car from sap? I said, there's no way I'm buying that. That's not true. That's not even a thing. You're making that up. Stop trying to sell it to me. But when people get in the moment, sometimes they go, it sounds like a good idea. I bought a MacBook once and then, you know, they say, would well, you want the extra memory? Do you want to increase the screen size? Would you like our Apple Care protection plan? It all seems good. But then you get the amount on the very last page while they add it every page and you're like, well, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, it is. You kept on saying, yes, you got caught up in the moment. 
You go in for a pair of pants, you come out with pants, shoes and a jacket. Look, the point is, is that sometimes people get caught up in their generosity or, 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 they, or they overcommit. Paul's saying to these guys, you know, you promised us that you were going to be generous so much so that you stirred all the other people up to be generous. Man, I hope you really haven't overcommitted here. I hope, Corinthians, that you haven't overcommitted to that and that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Because this money is going to be used to expand God's church. Do you understand that this idea about people giving generously has been the way that God has built His church for the last few thousand years? You know, when I sit down with people, particularly when I was moving from my last job into being a pastor, they said, so where does the money come from? I said, oh, just whatever people give. They're like, are you kidding me? That doesn't sound very secure. Well, apparently it's secure enough to see the church continue to grow and build and expand for the last few thousand years. And actually, the church has expanded rapidly uh, within the last 100 years. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit came 100 years ago, brought revival to Azusa Street, and suddenly people were pulling their money together. Why? Because they got clarity Okay, clarity on the purpose of their generosity, on the God's blessed me, I'm supposed to do something with it. So this is just how the church operates. This is how the kingdom of God expands. Is that people sort of just give to it and they just be generous. It's how it works, you know? And he's saying to the Corinthians, guys, I really hope that you haven't overcommitted and now you We told everyone how much you were going to be generous. They're all stirred up to give. They're ready to go. I come back to you, but you're not ready because you spent the money after you committed it. Corinthians, please don't go to the grave with your intention to be generous. How important is it for us to not go to the grave with the intention to be generous? How important is it for us to not go to the grave saying, we will do that thing one day when we get there. But first, I just have to make sure that I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. Once I'm doing okay, then I'll be generous. We've discovered in the last three weeks that that day never, ever really comes. You've got to be learned to be rich from where you are. You've got to learn to be generous from where you are. Sometimes that takes stewardship. Sometimes that takes managing your resources. But what it does is, is it positions you so that when God blesses you, you have something to give. And so this is what Paul says. He said, he's talking to them and telling them, hey guys, you've got to be rich towards God's church and, you know, take up that collection for the saints, right? He goes, I'm going to tell you how to be rich, but then I'm going to tell you three things that happen when you are rich. I'm going to tell you three things that happen when you are rich. So all I'm going to do for the rest of today is just tell you those three things. Is that okay? Okay, so here it is. Here's the first one. You can't reap what you don't sow. Does that make sense to you? You cannot reap what you don't sow. Imagine a person who's waiting for a harvest and they haven't sown any seeds. That's like the person who says, I'll wait till I get rich before I be generous. Because the principle is sow and then you reap. 
You can't reap anything if you don't begin to sow something. In other words, you've got to sow something in faith so that later on the reaping actually comes. And some people will go through life and they, they won't sow. They'll hold on to their seeds and they'll get to the end of their life and they'll say, aha, the principle of sowing and reaping, it doesn't work. Because they were waiting for the harvest from seeds they never sowed. And here is the catch, and listen and lean into this point for a minute. If you never sow, you'll go to the grave not knowing any better. Because it never passed through you. Because there was never a harvest. Because there was never a sowing. So you'll go to the grave thinking that it doesn't work, but you'll never realize that it does work because you never sowed in the first place. Does that make sense? Did you know that they dug up King Tutankhamun's, you know, they found where he was buried, his sarcophagus, and inside his sarcophagus, they found seeds. I have no idea why. Why would he need seeds? Where's he going to do with them? Where, where is he going to, what is he going to plant them in? I have no idea. But they found seeds in his sarcophagus. So you know what they did? They said, we should plant these. They took them out of the sarcophagus and they took them down to the river Nile and they planted them. Do you know what happened? Can you guess? They grew. They grew and they, there was fruit and there was all kinds of trees, but they grew. Those seeds had potential for 3,000 years, but it wasn't until they were sown in something that the potential was brought forth. The seeds were, uh, they were available the whole time, able to provide a harvest, but they were not sown in anything. So since they were not sown, no one knew. It wasn't until they were planted in something that it began to actually yield a harvest. What's my point? My point is, don't go to the grave with intentions to be generous and sow. Learn to be generous from where you are. Learn to be rich from where you are. You've got to sow first. And here's the thing, and this is what the passage just taught us. You've got to decide first to sow. Each one should give as he has decided, seen fit. Each one has got to give as he's decided in his heart. Why? Because all giving comes from your, from your heart. All giving comes from your heart because you've got to decide first. You make a decision to sow. And when you do it, by the way, I've got to tell you this. You're supposed to do it cheerfully. As we learned this morning, hilariously. It's like you just, you don't care. You're so caught up in God. You're like, <laughs> no, seriously, have it. I don't care, man. It's good. Like here, have this, right? Now, what am I saying? I'm not saying that we throw our resource around. It's like, hey, let's be smart about what you do with it. But the attitude with which you give is supposed to be one of cheerfulness. My son, Isaac, is so good at sharing. He really is. In fact, whenever he's got anything and I ask him for something, it doesn't matter what he's holding in his hands. He just says yes straight away. And I've seen him share with his brother and his sister because he doesn't care. He'll just Give them whatever he's got. And when I see that, can I be honest, it makes me so proud. I think that when God resources us and then we say, thank you, Jesus, and then we resource other people that are in need, that our Father looks on us the same way that I look on my kids. And you know what? It just makes him proud. 
He just gets proud. I'm, I'm so glad to see that there's a spirit of generosity in you. You know, when I, when I was a kid growing up, this phrase became really familiar in my house. My mom would cook some great meals. We were kids and, you know, we didn't always appreciate that. And so we'd be sitting there with food, great food on our plate. My dad coined this phrase that became famous, at least in our house. And this is what he said. He said, you will eat it and you will like it. (laughs) You will eat it, but it was more like with more teeth like this. It was kind of like this. You will eat it and you will like it. It's like some teeth in there because sometimes some spit might come out, you know. And so, and so he would say this. And you know what I was thinking my whole, the whole time he's saying this stuff? Oh, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, I can eat it, but I don't have to like it. You can't make me like it. You can't make me like it. See, you can give, but no one can make you like it. You can give, but no one can make you do it cheerfully. But see, no one's forcing you. You can do whatever you want. We don't live in Israel anymore. No one stands over you and says, come on, do it. No one says that. You do it because it's in your heart. No one stands over you. You've got to make that decision, but no one can make you do it cheerfully. But my point is that it matters to God and compulsion and reluctance when it comes time to giving, that doesn't attract God's blessing. It just doesn't. He's like, if you're going to do it, do it right. Come on. Why don't you get some vision for where it's headed? Then you'll get excited about giving. Does that make sense? All right, I've got to keep moving because we're, we're pushing time today. Paul says that when we receive grace, we have sufficiency in all things at all times. You know what that means? Sufficiency actually means contentment. He says, I've learned the secret to living with a lot. I've learned the secret to living with a little. And the secret is not about the amount. The secret is Christ is my center. He'll give me everything that I need. And when I have what I need, He can have anything He wants that comes to me. That's the secret. I've learned the secret. I'm sufficient at all times in all things, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. And this is what he writes in this passage here. And he says, you know what? Being content in all things at all times. Do you know when you live like that, it's only then that you're actually free to be generous? When you can learn to be content? See, if you're always looking at what you don't have and then you can't be content, it makes it really difficult to give because you know you could put it towards the thing that you want. It just makes sense. So you've got to orientate your heart, make sure that you want the same thing that, that God wants. Okay, so the first point was you can't reap what you don't sow. Here's my second point. This one is much quicker, I promise. It says, the initial investment determines the future blessing. The initial investment determines the future blessing. Because what does he say here? If I can find this passage of Scripture. Ah, oh, forget it. This is what he says. It says he supplies the seed and then he multiplies what's been given. So God is both your supplier and your multiplier. So He supplies it to you and then you've got it. And then what do you do with it? Well, depending on what you give back to Him, that's what He multiplies. And the increased portion that you give to Him, if, if multiplication works, and I've got my hermeneutics right, what He's really saying is, is, you know what? The greater portion that you give me increases my capacity to multiply it. You multiply five, multiply 10, which is the bigger figure? So you've just got to decide out of what God gives you, what you're prepared to give to be generous towards. It's not just church, guys. Come on, we're talking about a spirit of generosity. It's everywhere. It's all around you. Okay, so what you get, what can you give? That's the starting figure. Then God decides that He's going to multiply that. So, so, so whatever you invest initially or whatever you put in initially determines how God blesses your future. And He multiplies it. And can I tell you this? He 
multiplies it. But the multiplication, again, is not for you. It's supposed to pass through you. It's supposed to go to other people. It actually enables you to be generous. And this is a great system for God because think about it. If He understands and realises that you're the kind of person who doesn't make the consumption assumption, who doesn't see everything that they get for themselves and you'll pass it on to the people that are in need, isn't that a good person for God to bless? I mean, logically, does it not make sense? Of course it makes sense. See, here's what you need to know. Being rich is about the measure that you use. Being rich actually is about the measure that you use. And the reason that's important is because it is actually being measured back to you. It will be measured back to you. He uses this word multiply here, but there's a promise attached in all of this. He says, if you be generous, God will increase the harvest of your righteousness. And if you look at exactly what Paul meant when he wrote this, come on, come on guys, this is not me. I didn't write this. This is what He said. He said, If you do this, God will bring an increase of your, uh, of your righteousness, increase the harvest of your righteousness. It means He will multiply your resources so you can bless others. This is just what Paul said. In fact, let me read this Scripture to you. Luke 6.38 Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's going to be measured back to you. So I'm just trying to clue you in on how the whole system works. So you know from the get-go, what you give will get multiplied. What you give will be measured back to you. Doesn't it make sense then that when it comes to forgiveness, you want to forgive quickly because it's going to be measured back to you. That when you be generous, you want to be generous because it'll be measured back to you. This is what this whole Scripture is all about. Okay, let me get to the third point. Third point is is that generosity is identified by God as thankfulness. Your generosity is identified by God as thankfulness. It's how He knows that you are thankful. He actually measures it. If you read back over that Scripture, He measures it by your generosity. There's a great little story. Jesus is hanging out by the treasury. And you know the story. He sees the widow. She puts in two small copper coins. Jesus sees it. Jesus sees everything we do. Sees the generosity of our hearts, yeah? He sees it. He looks at his disciples. He said, she just put in more than everyone. And the amount wasn't very much. But the percentage was. What does that mean? It means that generosity is different for different people. You see, to the millionaire, he'd have to give a lot to be generous. But to the single mum who struggles through her job, can barely afford to put food on the table, it's almost like anything she gives is generous. Do you see how generosity looks different for different people? You know what God is not measuring? The amount. He's measuring the percentage. He's measuring what can you do? Can you be a generous person? Can you give out of what you have? That's what God is actually looking for when He looks at our hearts. You know, what do you say to someone when they save your life? What would you say to someone when they they save your life? I, I don't know if anybody saved your life, but I see this in movies. This might be a great line for you. You're like, how can I ever repay you? 
And you know that you can never repay a person for saving your life. When I look at the Scriptures, I realize that Jesus has saved my life. I mean, I'm, I'm saved, set free. He, 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 it cost Him so much, but I'm, I'm set free. How am I going to say thank, say thank you to Him? Do you know that really, even if I give everything I have, it's, but it's a token gesture to say, God, I appreciate you so much. Can I tell you that some tokens are better than others? How am I doing for time? Let me tell you a really quick story. Last year was my wife's birthday. She turned 30. She'll hate me for saying that, but she turned 30. And when it came time to celebrate her birthday, we didn't have any money to put on like a big party or anything like that. So we just had a small thing and that was the end of it. Sarah didn't mind. She was completely fine with that, but I minded. Do you know why? Because I love her. And for me, to be honest, that little family thing that we did, it wasn't enough. So I wanted to show her that I love her. Now, anything I give is not going to, you know, completely adequately express the fact that I love her, but no, it's something. So what I did is I created a secret Facebook group and I planned a surprise 30th birthday six months later. And I Facebook stalked her friends and invited them because I wasn't friends. They're like, why is Sarah's husband inviting me to be a friend on Facebook? Yeah, it's weird, right? So I'm inviting Sarah's friends to be my friend on Facebook and and there's this secret thing going on, but I have to get everything ready. So I tell Sarah, babe, we're going to have a few people over for a barbecue. But then I realized in the preparation that I'm putting out quite a few chairs. So I'm thinking, hmm. I'm actually going to need to explain to her that it's going to be a little bit bigger than a small gathering. So I said, it's more of a ministry team thing, actually. There's a lot of, there's the ministry teams coming over. And then on the day when she sees the production and all the rest of it, she says, uh, what's going on here? You said it was just going to be a ministry team. I'm seeing a lot of chairs come out. Like, what is happening? And I'm like, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm trying to sort of avoid that conversation. Anyway, this is great. She's standing in the bathroom getting ready and all the people have snuck into the house and are waiting in the back room and then she flips out and she goes I've just realized something I don't know what's going on today we don't have any food we don't have all this stuff what are we going to do and can I tell you man I love that she was so upset with me because I'm like you're going to feel so bad in just a minute when you see what I did for you you're going to feel so bad about that so she's upset and I'm like, all right, so come on, let, let's go. And as we're walking towards the room that everyone's in, she realizes something's going on. I open the door and everyone's in there and they go, surprise, you know. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe you did this. I'm like, babe, I love you so much. I said, I know that we weren't able to do something six months ago, but it was really important to me to actually, you know, honor you and show you that I love you. And so this is, I just, I just wanted to do this for you. She says, thank you so much. I said, it's not over. I said, I have one more gift to give you. And I bring out a Thermomix, which I saved for, which I set aside. She doesn't know it. She's like, what happened to that money? I'm like, what money? I don't know. I I was putting everything I could aside and saving so I could get at this Thermomix. And it's like, did, did all of that stuff, Was that enough to say that I love her? No, it doesn't adequately express it, but it's a gesture to say, you mean so much to me. 
What would we give to say to God, He means so much to us? What amount would there be? I don't know, but I know it's generous. Whatever it is, I know it's just generous. Because God means so much to me. Some tokens are better than others. I can't repay God, but you know what I can do? I can be rich towards people and being helping the world around me. When I bless people, when I when I see people in need and I can meet their need, I'm like, I'm loving you by blessing them. And that is what giving is about. That's what being rich is about. How do we be rich towards God? We bless the people that are in need. And He says, what you do for the least of these, the people that will never repay you, the people will never know your sacrifice, the people that will never, it's a thankless job. No one knows if it was generous or not. You be as generous as you can. No one's going to find out. But you know what? God hangs out by the treasury and He sees the intention of your heart and He goes, man, I love you. I love it. It's like my kids, you know. When I see them and they're generous and I'm so proud of them, I feel like God is exactly the same way with us. All giving comes from your heart. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter your belief around it. All giving comes from your heart. Can we stand together this morning? Here's a, here's a final thought. If you're here today, you're a guest, you're not a Christian. We're so glad you could be with us. I'm just speaking to Christians right now. If you're a Christ follower, you're meant to be generous. It's that simple. If you follow Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, you're supposed to be generous. You know, sometimes it takes a while to position yourself so you can actually be generous. But you're supposed to be generous. What will this generation declare to the next? What will this generation say to the next? Will we create a culture of generosity or a culture of stinginess? I know the one that I want in my life, in my family, in our church. I know what I want. Why don't we pray together? Is that okay? God, You have been amazingly generous towards us. You sent us your one, your only son to die upon the cross to set us free from the power of sin that would rule and reign in our lives. And yet you sacrificed the most precious gift so that we could be free. God, we can never repay you ever. But what we can do is we can be rich towards your church. We can be rich towards people that are in need. We can be rich towards those that will never repay us. And God, by doing that, We honour You. God, by doing that, it's just a token to say, God, we love You so much. We want to be generous. We want to worship You. We don't want the worship to just come from our mouths. We, We want it to be practical. It's our acts of service. It's our giving. Lord, we love You so much. We just want to be a generous people towards You and the world around us. We want to change the world that's around us. Come on, can we do this together? Keep your eyes closed, but let's do this. Why don't we pray for the world around us? Father, this world is in need right now. And Lord, we want to be the solution to the need in the world. Father, I pray that You'd enable us to do that. I pray, Lord, just like we're about to sing, that Lord, Your Spirit break out. Break out of our hearts, break out of our church, break out across our state. Just break out, just begin to reach out. And Lord, I pray that we would be equipped in every way to be able to help the world around us, to meet the need of the world around us. 
You're an incredible God. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.